Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira, and today I want to talk about a serial killer, a very unsuspected and unlikely killer named Velma Barfield. So Velma Barfield was an American serial killer fueled by a chemical imbalance and pill dependency. She had an undeniable dependency to Valium, tranquilizers, sleeping pills, depression medication, anxiety medications, and barbiturates. She's one of the many killers who gained very little from the deaths of her victims. She was the first woman to be executed by lethal injection, November 1984. I believe it was like November 2nd. So Velma's whole life, people felt really sorry for her. To friends, family, and strangers, it looked like Velma had a series of unfortunate events. No one was prepared to find out that once Velma escaped her parents' home, she was actually the cause of most of her own misery and losses, all of which I will outline. Before I jump in and tell you all about Velma, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Storytime Podcast. This is a hobby of mine. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I appreciate you listening and enjoying it with me. Also, don't forget to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know honesty is always the best policy, but five stars sounds pretty good to me. And don't forget to check out Storytime Slayer on Facebook for any photos, videos, and updates about these cases. That is where I post them. All right, so let me tell you why we are even talking about Velma. So shit hit the fan in 1977. Velma was 45 years old, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Stuart. The wedding was set for that May. Stuart was a tobacco farmer. He'd been previously married, and he actually had three adult children. He was a family man. He enjoyed hunting, fishing, and farming. He loved his first wife very, very much, but she passed away. And after her death, he shortly kindled a romance with an old friend. It only lasted roughly six months to a year, though. Stuart had met Velma before he renewed this relationship with an old friend, but it wasn't until after that ended that him and Velma began to date. Stuart had a mild drinking problem at the time. He'd go on really short benders, um, but once him and Velma started courting, he seemed to stop doing that. He started attending church with Velma. He enjoyed her company, and they were really happy together. But just like most of Velma's past relationships, Stuart couldn't quite stop the drinking and this caused problems between them. Even though Velma had a very serious pill problem that she didn't fully disclose to Stuart, I think only her family was aware of her drug addiction, she did not condone drinking at all, which is so wild to me. Um, They initially did not live together. But Stuart went to go visit Velma one day, and he knocked on their door. He knew she was supposed to be home. It looked like she was there, but there was no answer. But like I said, he knew she was home. So one way or another, he actually got into her trailer, and he found her bound, gagged, and duct taped in her underwear on her bed. She'd said somebody broke in and did all this to her, but they didn't sexually assault her, and they didn't take anything of value. Stuart was so upset, so upset, but the police really weren't. In fact, they were super suspicious that Velma had staged this for the attention and affection of Stuart. Many people agree with this and you know what? It worked because Stuart immediately, immediately insisted that Velma move in with him and she didn't. 
But as soon as she moved in, the fun dating experience was over. O-V-E-R. The couple fought all the time. Stuart couldn't hide his drinking anymore, and so he just didn't. He drank openly, and he drank more, supposedly. But I don't know if he actually drank more or just was more open about it, because it's really easy to secretly be a drunk if you live alone, right? Now, the fighting would be so bad that Velma would leave for periods of a time, and she'd go stay with her daughter Pam off and on. So this goes on for like weeks, I think a couple months maybe. I'm not exactly sure the timeline. Sorry about that. But a major point of contention between Velma and Stuart was the fact that Stuart found two checks that Velma had stolen and wrote to herself from his bank without his knowledge. Oh, how, why would you write a check to yourself? <laughs> so bickering becomes their life. But then Stuart gets really sick, like really really sick and Stuart hated doctors so he avoided going to the hospital as always his daughter had had the flu recently and so they kind of chalked it off as maybe he had that he was experiencing severe stomach pains diarrhea no appetite and overall just blah Velma though her job was that she was a caretaker she used to be a live-in caregiver for several elderly people hmm see where we're going here people and she was currently working as a caregiver in a nursing home this is actually how her and Stuart met she'd taken care of a family member of Stuart's named Mr. Edwards so naturally Velma was trusted to take care of Stuart while he was sick and um, nurse him back to health Everyone was happy and comfortable with that arrangement. But after five days of being sick and Velma looking after Stuart, he had to go to the hospital. He was now experiencing pain in his chest, arms, stomach, and his blood pressure was dangerously low. He was actually diagnosed with gastritis and sent home for Velma to look after. I googled it and gastritis is a general term for a group of conditions with one thing in common, inflammation of the lining of the stomach. That's according to the Mayo Clinic. So after being sent home, he seemed to get a bit better, according to Velma. She said he'd even gained an appetite. But two days later, Velma had to call 911. And when first responders got there, oh man, Stuart was complaining of extreme pain. He'd shit his pants and he had extremely, extremely low blood pressure that was continually dropping. Stuart was pronounced dead one hour after he arrived at the hospital. It was so bizarre. Now, doctors knew it was not death by gastritis, and Stuart had been a fairly healthy man. He was only 56. His family was devastated. So the hospital suggested that they allow an autopsy to be done. Since Velma was to be married to Stuart and really loved him, the family considered her opinion as well. And when they asked Velma, she said, yeah, they should do an autopsy so they wouldn't really have to wonder the rest of their lives what happened. In the meantime, police get an anonymous call and the caller said that Velma had to be stopped. She was the one who killed Stuart and she has to be stopped. She's going to keep killing the chief refused to really take the callers seriously with no knowledge of her, who they were. And so he got them to tell him who they were. And it was Velma's sister. Wow. But all he could really do was wait for the autopsy and take this information into consideration. The medical examiner was really familiar with arsenic poisoning. In fact, arsenic poisoning is pretty common in the South. So when he went to look at a slice of Stuart's liver, he immediately recognized the marks of poisoning left by the arsenic in the tissues. I think it leaves some type of crystallized pattern. 
So police notified Stewart's family of arsenic poisoning and asked that if it does come up with Velma, they like don't alarm her that they think she could have done it. And police notify Velma of arsenic present in Stewart's autopsy. And she acted totally surprised. She's like, what? Even though (laughs) she was the only person with Stewart during the last week and nursing him back to health, she had no idea how he could have gotten arsenic. Police question her and she doesn't let up. She just has no idea. So they let her go for the time being, but they do start investigating. So here's the deal. This is a small town in North Carolina. And word gets out about Stewart's death and eventually that Velma is suspected of poisoning and going to be arrested. So when news made it to Velma's oldest son, Ronnie, he was really concerned. Velma had had a history of depression, suicide, and drug abuse, which I will get to. And he was afraid that she was going to kill herself. So it's like March 14th, 1977, and he goes to check on his mom. She's laid up in bed, a hot mess. He's talking to her and explaining that she could possibly be arrested for the death of Stuart. They think that she poisoned him. Of course, he doesn't think his mom poisoned him. And he just thinks they need to go down and talk to the police and kind of get ahead of this thing. Totally thinking his mom's innocent. And then she muttered, I didn't mean to kill him. I just wanted to make him sick. (laughs) Dude, Ronnie was shocked. He was heartbroken. And so naturally the conversation changed from talking to police about how she didn't murder Stuart to convincing her that she'd have to turn herself in and face the music or it was only going to get worse. Ronnie and his sister Pam and maybe a couple other relatives, I think two of Velma's sisters, met down at the police station where Ronnie brought Velma. And she spoke with officers a moment and she did in fact utter the same thing, that she'd only meant to make Stuart sick and she didn't mean to kill him. Police officers informed Velma's family that she did in fact confess to killing Stuart and because of that they have to arrest her and book her for the murder and speak with her. She'd agreed to talk to the police and didn't really want a lawyer and with this not being a super fast or simple process the police suggested that Velma's family go home and that they'd call them when they had some news. When police did call Ronnie it was to tell him that not only did his mom confess to the murder of Stuart she'd confessed to three more murders. Two of them had been a live-in caregivers for Miss Dolly Edwards and John Henry Lee, and her third victim was her own mother, Lily Bullard. And no one had the faintest idea that she'd been killing people. She'd been killing people for years, and these aren't the only people that she's suspected of killing. She's suspected of killing seven people. So who the fuck is Velma, and how did she become a serial killer who literally got the smallest amount of monetary gain. I'm going to tell you, and then I'll tell you about her trial. So Velma was born October 23rd, 1932, amid the Great Depression, and she grew up super poor, like dirt poor. She was the second born to a large family that eventually grew to have nine children. Her dad worked at either a plant or a textile mill, different places throughout the years. She wore homemade clothes. They could only afford one pair of shoes a year, and they didn't even have an outhouse. They just had the great outdoors. She was often bullied and ridiculed, and it has been said that her dad was extremely strict, extremely abusive, and I can't confirm this necessarily, but I've seen in a lot of different articles the insinuation that her and her dad had a sexual relationship of some sort or maybe he was sexually abusive that's 
like I said, it's really hard to confirm the information. So she did have a very rough and uncomfortable home growing up. Her father had a very short fuse. Um, You didn't quite know what was going to set it off. And it has been said and disputed that he would beat his children, his livestock, and sometimes his hunting dogs within like an inch of their life. And he did this for the slightest of indiscretions. So this caused Velma to truly, truly hate her mother for having no backbone. She really resented her. And she had really low self-esteem. She would totally pick herself apart. She thought her face was ugly. She was fat. She didn't like her hair, her teeth, none of that. So it was in 1948 when Velma met her first husband, Thomas. She was 17, I think, a junior in high school. And Thomas was a senior. They ran away and got eloped because the next state over, it was legal for 17-year-olds to get married. And then after that, she moved in with Thomas and his family. It is believed she really liked Thomas, but she didn't like love him. And she really just married him to leave home. So shortly after they got married, the two dropped out of high school. And after some time, Thomas was the provider and he wanted Velma to stay home. They had their first child, a son named Ronnie, who was born December 15th, 1951. And she was so happy. Velma loved being a mom. Then September of 1953, two years later, they have a little girl named Pam. I was surprised to learn that Velma was a damn good mom. Like, a damn good mom. She really loved it. Um, They had a very healthy, functional household. And Velma worked really hard to keep it that way. She was a homeroom mom for both of her kids' classes and volunteered for everything. Wow, that is not me. I do not PTO, y'all. So Velma did actually start work, though, when the kids were school age, still getting involved as much as possible in all of their activities. And work was getting better and better for Thomas. Um, In fact, he moved them into a larger, more beautiful home, unlike anything Velma had ever lived in before or thought she ever would live in. It was picture perfect. And they did everything as a family, including going to church every week. This went on until Velma had a hysterectomy. Um, I don't think she was prepared for the hormonal change that would take effect, and she became extremely anxious and short-tempered like her father. She exhibited behaviors that sounded mildly manic due to a chemical imbalance to me. So like, for example, she'd go on really impromptu shopping sprees, and she was prone to binge eating and then often snapping at people. So having a habit of being self-conscious and nitpicky about herself, Velma got on diet pills to help with losing some extra weight. I think the diet pills greatly contributed to her her chemical imbalance. Um, She began overspending and writing hot checks all over town. Things got worse in 1964. She'd hurt her back and was prescribed painkillers and became truly addicted to them. So now it is time to mention, though, that Velma really, really hated drinking. Um, I think her dad was maybe a drinker. So Thomas was known to have the occasional drink, just a beer with the guys or something, and it really grinded her gears. So once when he got into a really bad car accident, it caused him to have terrible, terrible headaches. And she was very annoyed by this, very angry, and it was because she blamed it on him drinking, and it created a huge wedge between them. Velma began to always want to fight with Thomas, and she would flip out about anything and everything. 
So July of 1966, Thomas had lost his father and he did become an alcoholic after that. He'd be gone drinking for hours and then in 67, he got a DUI and he lost his job. So things did a total 180. Velma is now addicted to painkillers. Thomas is an alcoholic. Um, I'm going to guess they're about broke as a joke. Velma had a complete mental and nervous breakdown and had to be hospitalized for the first time. She was then given prescriptions and thus started her addiction to painkillers, tranquilizers, and sleeping pills now. So she's progressively getting worse. Her children say during this time, for years, Velma would get so messed up on pills that she would like pass out on the floor or overdose or be totally unconscious. It was really bad. And then in 1969, tragedy struck. Thomas had apparently fallen asleep in a drunken stupor while Velma and the children were gone and he dropped a cigarette and he caught their house on fire and he actually died. Poor Velma, everybody thought. So her drug addiction got worse and worse. She then started to see multiple doctors who would all write her different prescriptions unknowing about her other prescriptions. And all of these other pills and barbiturates and tranquilizers, they did not react well to a patient taking Valium, which Velma was. Velma was very addicted to Valium. According to the AmericanAddictionCenters.org, Valium is safe for most adult users when it's taking as prescribed, but mixing it with alcohol or other drugs can lead to confusion, disorientation, accidents, sedation, stumbling, dizziness, vomiting, and loss of consciousness, all of which Velma would experience throughout the next years in her life until she goes to prison. After Thomas died, Velma sparked up a relationship with a widower named Jennings Barfield. They dated for a little while, but they actually got married fairly quickly. However, they did not have a blissful, happy marriage. During their relationship, Jennings Barfield, I believe, may have been a casual drinker. And Velma overdosed two times on her pills and had to go to the hospital. They'd only been married close to six months when Jennings actually had an appointment to meet with a divorce attorney on March 22nd, 1971. However, the day before he was to meet with his attorney, he actually died of a heart attack. See, Jennings had recently become sick with something, but nobody was really sure exactly what it was. And this is believed to have been the root cause of his heart attack. Velma was once again a widow. It is of course suspected that the strange illness Jennings had was due to Velma poisoning and that she was actually the one who killed him. So as if things couldn't get worse, Velma had another house fire. Her house completely burned to the ground and she had to go live with her parents. She ended up overdosing three times on her medicine the years that she lived there. And we do know, though, that she is not responsible for the death of her father. He died of lung cancer. But after he died of lung cancer and while she was still living with her mother, Lily, Velma got arrested for forging a signature on a prescription at a pharmacy. So she's basically trying to forge a, a prescription for pills again. Then she gets arrested for writing hot checks. And not only was she writing hot checks in her own name, she was actually stealing checks from her mom and forging those as well. But she didn't get charged for the checks she stole from her mom. Velma eventually loses her job and overdoses again. And this time she has to be hospitalized in the mental hospital for a little while. And after that, she just didn't work for a while. She took some time off. 
All this time, she was living off of her mom. But in 1974, her mom got really, really sick. She had severe stomach pains and diarrhea. She actually had to go to the hospital only to return home fine. But sometime later, Velma's mom got a notice for a loan on her car that was overdue. And although charges were never pressed and it was never proven, it is believed that Velma had taken out a loan on her mom's car in her mom's name. The car was paid off, her mom said. So she was very upset. And what Velma would do is she would make her victims sick when they were starting to catch on to her stealing from them. So she didn't get caught, though, because in 1964, Lily got really sick again same symptoms as before when she had to go to the hospital and she's re-hospitalized and she actually dies two hours after arising at the hospital she'd been complaining of severe stomach pains diarrhea nausea and vomiting an autopsy was performed and it actually was overlooked that she had arsenic poisoning and her death was ruled as death from inflammation Velma though does admit to killing her mom years later with poisoning But of course, everyone feels really bad for Velma. They didn't know she killed her mom. So after Lily died, Velma went to stay with her daughter, Pam, where she became so depressed that she literally like wouldn't get up, wouldn't get out of bed, wouldn't work, wouldn't do shit. She'd literally shit on herself laying in bed and she overdosed two times while she was staying there. By the way, Pam is married. I bet her husband was so annoyed. March, though, um, Velma is arrested again for writing hot checks, and she actually has to go to prison for six months this time. Once she got out, she moved back in with Pam, but she had to leave because Pam's husband finally had enough. He'd found out that Velma had been stealing from them, writing checks from their account. So Velma moved out. And it's really strange, but years later when Pam recounted the time that her mom lived with her and that she had to kick her out, She remembers that they actually got extremely sick with the same symptoms that Lily and Stuart had, extreme stomach pains, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and they even had to go to the hospital for it. And now they know she was trying to make them sick because she was writing checks out of their account. So Velma moves out, and this is how she became a live-in caregiver. In 1976, she moved into the Edwards home to care for Montgomery Edwards, and this is actually who she met her last husband, Stuart, through. Everything was fine. She lived with Mr. and Mrs. Edwards, Montgomery Edwards, and Dolly Edwards. So January 29th, though, Montgomery, the man that she was looking after, he really wasn't feeling well. He'd had stomach pains, vomiting, and diarrhea. He actually died that same day. And then a month later, his wife Dolly fell ill with the same symptoms, and she died March 1st, 1977. She does admit to killing one of them, Different sources say different people, but I believe she admitted to killing Montgomery. So it's so crazy because nobody suspected her of any wrongdoing. Nobody suspected her of killing them. So with nowhere to go, Velma decided to take another live-in care job for 76-year-old Margie Lee, who'd broken her leg. Margie was married to a man named John Henry Lee. And for the 13 months that Velma lived with the Edwards, she didn't have any overdoses. She'd upped her pill consumption, but she hadn't gotten out of control. Now, when she she went to go live with the Lees, dude, she would get so annoyed that she started taking a lot of pills. And when Velma took too many pills, she had a habit of writing hot checks and stealing. 
and the Lee family noticed some forged checks and they had no idea who could have done it. But this became less of a priority to them because John had become terribly sick. He had stomach pains, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, and he actually had to be hospitalized. Chest pains, stomach pains, and the works. So he was in the ICU for four days until he died Saturday, June 4th, 1977. Wow. So after this, she decides that, you know what, I'm going to go live on my own. And she goes and she lives in a trailer on her own and she works in a nursing home instead of being a live-in caregiver. So we are back at the beginning. Let's see. In 1969, Thomas Burke dies of a suspicious fire. In 1971, her second husband dies of a heart attack. In 74, her mom died in her care with the same symptoms Jennings had before his fatal heart attack. In 1977, Montgomery and Dolly Edwards die in her care of the same symptoms that her mother and Jennings had. Then John Henry Lee dies of the same things. And then February 1978, Stewart dies of the same symptoms. She confessed to four of these seven potential murders. She maintained that Thomas died in a freak accidental fire while her and her kids just so happened to be gone. And that Jennings actually was sick and he died of a heart attack. She had nothing to do with it. She only claimed to be responsible for Lily Bullard, one of the Edwards, John Henry Lee, and Stuart. She'd been forging checks and when her lies and thievery caught up with her, she'd make her victims extremely sick, not intending to kill them, she claims. She was ultimately charged and tried and convicted for just one of these murders, the death of Stuart Taylor, but she was sentenced to death by lethal injection. As her final meal, she picked a bag of cheese doodles, which is similar to a bag of Cheeto puffs, and wanted a Coca-Cola to wash it down with. In her final statement, she said, I know that everybody has gone through a lot of pain, all the families connected, and I am sorry, and I want to thank everybody who has been supporting me the last six years. This was the first woman to be executed in the United States in the 22 years that they'd put a hold on execution and she was the first woman to be executed by lethal injection all right guys thank you so much for listening and i will talk to you next week bye